In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. This is the Daily Memphian Politics Podcast. I'm Bill Drees. Our main event is Delicia DeGraffried, candidate for city court clerk and chief deputy of the clerk's office. Top of the podcast, two elections down, another one to go. Don't forget the special general election for State Senate District 32 that we had in January. Anyway, Mike Wisman is elected to a third term as mayor in the Arlington elections, overcoming a challenge by Alderman Cheryl Pardue. Former Arlington Mayor Russell Wiseman claims the Alderman seat Pardue gave up to run for mayor. Alderman Larry Harmon Jr. and Jeff McKee re-elected. On the Arlington School Board, Lyle wilson Connor is the newest member of the board, K. Morgan Williams, re-elected at the filing deadline by virtue of being unopposed. Where to begin with the Memphis elections? Well, let's start with one of the many endorsement ballots showing up in mailboxes and stuck indoors all over town. This particular one is a version of Latroy Williams' Shelby County Democratic Club ballot. The banner across the top of the version we've got adds an endorsement of the ballot's candidates by retired criminal court judge Joe Brown, also television's Judge Joe Brown, last seen here in 2014 when he ran an unsuccessful challenge of Republican District Attorney Amy Wyrick as the Democratic nominee. The other endorser at the top of the ballot is 2012 Democratic U.S. Senate nominee Mark Clayton, with Clayton's picture Next to President Barack Obama's picture, Clayton billed as Obama's running mate. Clayton won the Democratic U.S. Senate nomination in 2012 and even carried Shelby County in the general election, despite the state party disavowing Clayton immediately after he won. Clayton is with an organization called Public Advocate that is known for opposing any and all LGBTQ rights. The Southern Poverty Law Center considers it a hate group. Clayton disputed that and sued the state party unsuccessfully over its disavowal. The public advocate hasn't shown too much in the way of signs of life since then. Click on the news section of the group's website and you get a mostly blank page with the saying, no news is good news. The Washington Post in 2012 asked in a headline if Clayton was the year's worst political candidate. Brown, meanwhile, is doing a fundraiser for former Mayor Willie Harrington at Club Paradise. Harrington drawing a smaller crowd than expected at the launch of his Harrington Express early voting effort on the second day of the period. Harrington saying he wants to take back the mayor's office with a heavy early voter turnout to prevent voter fraud. The turnout numbers so far suggest that is easier said than done, but the end of the early voting period usually sees a surge in numbers. We'll see if the Harrington bans are rolling at that critical point. Early voting going into the next to last weekend lagging behind the 2015 totals to this point. As we record this on a Friday, the turnout numbers posted by the Election Commission go through Tuesday, and there's no precinct-by-precinct breakdown through Tuesday. Abundant Grace Fellowship Church in Whitehaven and White Station Church of Christ in East Memphis, the two most popular sites by that limited data. Former Second Lady Jill Biden at a fundraiser in Germantown this past 
past week for her husband, former Vice President Joe Biden, as Biden himself was doing three fundraisers the same evening in Chicago. California Senator Kamala Harris, another Democratic presidential hopeful at East High School over the weekend. The Tennessee presidential primaries are March 3rd. In the mayor's race, County Commissioner Tammy Sawyer's challenge of incumbent Mayor Jim Strickland on the ropes for most of the week after some momentum from the Memphis Magazine caricature controversy that included the magazine being pulled from racks all over town. Sawyer's trove of old tweets was a minor problem until one from 2014 surfaced about outing a gay teacher at St. Mary's. This gave pause to Sawyer supporters who viewed her candidacy as more than flying the flag of the city's new activism, but a way into a greater role and voice in decision-making at the local government level, an extension of what is happening in county government a year into the Democratic sweep of county offices. Sawyer says the tweet was part of an online discussion about being a black student at a private school that included first encounters with other gender identities. It was not, she said later, meant to be funny or mean-spirited. That in a Facebook Live conversation that include LGBTQ supporters, some of whom were initially critical of Sawyer for the tweet. The uncertainty about Sawyer replaced for some by concerns about a splintering of the alliances built over the last five to six years locally. Others saying they are back on board because they think the mayor's race needs a critical voice. But still others saying the campaign should have been tighter and thought about old tweets before it became what it became, a pivotal moment in the campaign just as early voting started. Some of the attention and sense of urgency already shifting to the city council races that up to now have lived mostly in the shadow of the mayor's race. Mayor Jim Strickland, meanwhile, not commenting on any of this as he follows a series of events as mayor that are the incumbent's advantage. This past week, that included the formal opening of Foot Park in South City, a milestone in the city's conversion of every large public housing development into mixed-income developments that began more than 20 years ago. In fact, that conversion has been a major talking point in Harrington's campaign. At the annual meeting of the Mississippi River City, and Towns Initiative here this past week, drawing the mayors of cities and towns from 10 states along the Mississippi. Lots of discussion about federal and state funding for river infrastructure and other damage from the record flooding earlier this year at other points on the river. All involved avoiding using the phrase climate change as they announced a partnership with Rotary International. Basically, Rotary's role is to bring a Main Street voice and political pull to the call for funding that involves appeals to the Trump administration. A couple of quick updates, an update to our conversation last time about the pledge for progress being circulated among some of the council contenders. A sixth candidate has signed the pact, Mauricio Calvo, in the Super District 9 Position 2 race. John Barziza's lawsuit contesting his loss to Germantown Mayor Mike Palazzolo in the November 2018 Germantown elections by 120 votes has been dismissed in court. Meanwhile, Germantown Alderman Rocky Janda considering a censure resolution against fellow Alderman Dean Massey after Massey refused to take Germantown City cybersecurity training. Massey's use of city email there has already been restricted because of that. He can get emails on that account, but cannot respond to them. 
Joining us now, Delicia DeGraffried, candidate for city court clerk on the Memphis ballot and chief deputy of the clerk's office. Before we get into the race for this position and your, and your background, in a perfect world, should the clerk's position be an elected position? No. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that the position should be an elected position due to the fact that what the duties of the clerk's office entail. I believe that the office should have someone there with experience that has information and knowledge about how budgeting works and also about policies and procedures. It should not be a popularity contest. Right. And and uh, Thomas Long, who who had the job before the current clerk, uh, Kay Rabilio, yes, uh, four, four years ago after the election and he chose not to run for reelection. Four years ago, he went to the council after those elections and he told the council that that he believed then that the office should simply be merged into the city treasurer's office along with the whole court set up along along with it. So it's certainly not a new idea. No, it's not. I don't necessarily agree with the judge part. Mm -hmm. I do agree with the clerk's office being a part of the treasury department because we do collect revenue for the city. So the clerk's office being a part of the treasury's office makes a whole lot of sense. The judges, I would not necessarily separate them, but I would allow them to be, or would rather that they be, you know, an elected position. Right. Because mm-hmm. people do need a place to appeal the yes. tickets and have a decision made yes. on that. Correct. Um, well, in, in the world we do live in, the clerk's position is an elected position. So if you win the election next month, about uh, two weeks from now, what do you want to do with the clerk's office that most Memphians interact with because of traffic tickets? I would like to see the clerk's office to be more so in the community, and I would like to be involved with the people outside of 201 Poplar. I don't want the first knowledge of our office to be the first time that they come to court. I would like to also come into contact with the diversity of the city. Um, a lot of people that come downtown, pretty much everyone kind of looks the same. And and we need to show the diversity of the office, the skill set of the office, and do that outside of 201 Poplar. Because when someone comes in to pay a, a traffic ticket at, at the court level, they see 201 Poplar in all of its complexity yes. when they walk through those yes. doors. They see people who are waiting for criminal court hearings. They see everything everything that's going on, and it can be very confusing. And overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It can be overwhelming, yes. So so is the answer to that to have this maybe be a part of driver's education or, or programs? I would like actually that? like to go into the schools, mm-hmm. start at the school level, And um, your high schoolers, your children that are about to leave high school or your children that are about to get their driver's license and let them understand and know that driving is a privilege and it's not a right. Um, These are the steps that you need to take in order to assure that you don't end up in a place like 201 Poplar or end up in a place where you have to pay fines and fees and things of that nature. I believe that education is and knowledge of the whole process would keep some of our younger people out of the court system mm-hmm. and they get tickets and just don't realize, Oh, my license are suspended. I should have handled that. Well, if they have the knowledge ahead of time, I think that would eliminate some of that. 
So give me an idea of, of the, the scope of this office, the kind of the kind of revenue that we're talking about that people pay in fines and fees. And, okay. And, and, that sort um, of thing. and this is off of reporting from last year. Um, under our red light camera system last year, we generated about $3 million in revenue. And that's allocated, so it has to go back into the community. And it's allocated under, according to the resolution, it has to go into spe- specific places. Um, as far as our general uh, fines and fees, the revenue that was collected from that, I'm going to say it was right at $13 million. Now, that goes back into the general fund, and that is money that goes to the city. So the city determines where that revenue goes and how it's mm-hmm. on, on, out. On red light cameras, you, you probably get this question a lot, but there was a bill in the state legislature that passed recently. So if you get a ticket for a red light camera, mm-hmm. Do you have to pay it? I would recommend that you pay all of your tickets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we don't have any recourse as it relates to, and I believe someone said, we don't have a hammer to nail that nail in. Um, we don't have any recourse, but we recommend that you do pay the tickets and to pay them in a timely manner because they come along with a late fee. And then there's this collection process mm-hmm. that takes place. So, it's my recommendation that they pay the tickets and pay them on time rather than, and they always have the right to come to court. If they feel that they were issued that ticket in error, they always have the right to request a court date, come to court, speak to the judge and say, Hey, it wasn't me or Hey, can you reduce this? Or Hey, can it just be dismissed altogether? Mm -hmm. And I don't have to pay anything. Mm -hmm. So they do have a right to do that. So if I go to one of the satellite centers that, mm-hmm. that you have, one of the satellite offices that you have, and I and I pay a ticket there, does, does that replace going to court and standing in line to, to yes. pay the ticket there? Yes. Um, one thing that we've done uh, recently, I would say within the last year, before you would have to pay your ticket within 15 days. If not, you would have to come to court. Well, we got together, worked with the judges, worked with the prosecutor's office, and you can pay your ticket now up until 11.59, the night before your court date. And that allowed a lot of people to not have to come to court. Some people say, well, I'm going to pay it. Oh, well, I'm going to wait until this paycheck. It had to be a 15-day period in there before. But now you can pay Mm -hmm. up until the night before. And all of the precincts, not all of the precincts, all of the MPD precincts, Memphis Police Department precincts that have a traffic violations bureau clerk in there, which is a clerk from the city court clerk's office. You can pay anything that you owe to um, as it relates to a summons, a citation and things of that nature that you would come to 201 Poplar and pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how long have you been chief deputy? And, and were you in this office before you, yes. you had that position? Um, prior to, I came uh, to the city court clerk's office in an interim position with they interim is a nice word for temporary. <laughs> um, and Mr. Long decided to appoint me as an administrator assistant. And I was in that position for eight years, right at eight and a half years. Uh, Judge Rebilio was elected. And as she came in, I stayed in that same spot. Well, a year, six months to maybe a year after she was there, she appointed me as her chief deputy. And I've been her chief deputy for the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um 
you you talked about a popularity contest earlier in in these kind of races. The race has some very recognizable political names in it, and we've we've seen this happen a lot in in other clerks yes. races too. Someone with name recognition, but from outside the office, often outside the operation of the courts as, as a whole, runs with candidates from the office, other clerks' offices, and wins based almost if not exclusively on name mm. recognition. So it, is that healthy? Does that kind of judgment by voters serve this office well? It does not. It doesn't serve the office well because I tell people all the time, the clerk's office is a totally different beast. You're dealing with everything. You're dealing with the citizens. You're dealing with um, your Agencies within city government. We have to have working relationships with the police department, the IT department, with the prosecutor's office, with, you know, city council, things of that nature. And it's okay to have good relationships, but you have to understand and know the workings of the office. You have to know, as I told before, I know how to order paper. I know how to do budget. I know how to present, you know, give the presentation of budget. You have to know everything. And if you have no knowledge of what the clerk's office actually does or the operation of that office, it's going to take you about two years to get a handle on everything that is going on. And at that two year period, it's almost time for you to leave. Mm -hmm. So if you are just getting a grasp on it in year two and you're about to leave out, you have two more years to maybe really make change. And understand how that chain is going to affect everyone that that office touches. Right, but because as you mentioned before, pe people come into this process not not knowing a lot about it. It's a no. it's a foreign experience to them. It is, and you're the clerk, so they're looking for answers yes. to that uh, from the moment they walk in your the, office. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, was it a? a Hard decision to make to decide to run. It was. Um, I called my former boss, Mr. Long. I asked his opinion. He said, why not? You're the most qualified for the job. Um, I spoke with uh, Clerk Rebilio, Judge Rebilio, and out of respect for her, I asked her the question. I said, let me know if you decide to run, I'll support you 100%. Um, if you decide not to run, I would be interested in putting my name in the hat. And she said, I'll let you know. Um, later on, we had a discussion and she was like, Delicia, I'm not running. She said, I'll support you in any way that I can. She said, you know, you're here, you're doing the work, and everyone should be excited about the fact that you've decided to run in the race. So I have her support, not endorsement, but I have her support mm -hmm. um, in running for the city court clerk's office. So what what has this been like? It, it is running for office what you thought it would be like at the outset? Um, it's different because I'm not a politician at heart. I have a heart for the people. And it's not about being seen. It's about getting the work done. And it's it's hard. A lot of sleepless nights, <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot of work. Uh, and then when you don't have the, the financial piece that goes with it, that it takes to run a campaign where a lot of people are just able to pay people to do the work. Sure. You're getting out there. I've always been a hard worker, but this now has really tested me and said, you know what? You're putting in the hard work and you're, you you have the experience. You're putting in the work and you deserve this. You know, I don't want losing is fine as long as long as when it's over, 
I don't doubt myself and say, well, I could have did something different. I will know that when this race is over, if I don't win, that I gave it 120 percent. Mm-hmm. So um, when when you encounter voters, uh, I would imagine that you do a lot of explaining like you've done here about yes. what the office involves. I would imagine you also encounter some hostility from people who have been there for tickets before. Well, I understand their hostility. <laughs> I, I've mm-hmm. been one of those people that mm-hmm. I've had my driver's license suspended before. I've been upset because I didn't feel that I deserved a ticket and I had to pay a court cost. And I've had uh, letters that come from the state of Tennessee that say that your driver's license have been suspended because of failure to, you know, pay back what you owe uh, city of Memphis and this entity. So I understand where they're coming from. And I try to help them to understand we're here to help. We're here to assist, and this is the way that we're going to go through this process. It might take a minute, but just be patient, and I guarantee you we're going to do the best thing that we can do for you within the law in order to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. Um, the the clerk, no matter who holds that office at times, has an interesting, I'll put it that way, relationship with the three city court judges. judges. Yes. Sometimes it's a good relationship. Sometimes it's not. A good relationship. Correct. Um, so, so how how do you think things are are now in that relationship? I think we have a working relationship that actually is good for everyone. Um, we have the understanding as as the clerk's office that it is the judge's courtroom, and the judges run their courtroom according to the way that they want to, and our employees are informed of that. Um, we try to make sure that our Employees have all the resources that they need that are necessary in order for them to perform a top level job in the courtroom for the judges. Mm -hmm. Uh, The working relationship that I currently have with all three of the judges, I think it's great. There's no animosity. There's no tension. It's it's we can have conversation to say, okay, what's going to be best and work best for not just us and our employees, but also for the citizens. Right. And and the revenue figures you you, you mentioned, uh, I know some folks are going to say, oh, okay, well, they're there to make money. Well, you're not. No, we're not. Um, when you violate the law, there are consequences. And those consequences are you have to pay those fines and fees. And we're there to not just collect fines and fees, but we're keeper of records as well for the three municipal judges. So we have those dockets. We have um, programs in place for people that do have suspended driver's license. We are, I would, I'm going to say we, I would like to uh, tweak a couple of those programs to make it easier for the citizens of the city of Memphis to get their driver's license back and not be such a financial burden on them. So we're not just there to collect money. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the things that we do. Right. And 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 there's been a lot of discussion about fines and fees as, as part of the criminal justice reform mm-hmm. conversation. And the office has had for, for quite a while now the Drive While, while You Pay, you pay yes. program. Is that one of the things that, that you would tweak? Uh, yes, I mm-hmm. would uh, tweak the Drive While You Pay program and work with, uh, there was a new state law that came into play, I believe it was July 1. And that one stated that Each municipality has the ability to work with their citizens according to their financial needs. Um, So we were looking at that and we're trying to get with our legal department to make sure that we're not violating any laws to provide a payment program for everyone. And 
that will allow us to work with the citizen and the citizen to not we have to look at the economics of the city of Memphis and everyone just can't pay $135, you know, at the mm-hmm. drop of a hat. They have to pay $20 a week because they have children in school. They have, you know, gas and groceries and daycare and things of that nature. So we have to work with them and meet them where they are. And they need to be able to drive a car while they're doing it, given the state of the, of the bus system. Yes. As we know transportation. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. And that's why I believe more satellite offices as well would actually work if we were able to go a little bit further out into the other areas of the city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. What, what, from your vantage point as as the chief deputy in the office, how, how many folks are are in drive while you pay, or or have these kind of fines and fees that that are blocking mm-hmm. them? Um, I, let me see. I would that imagine would be, that's hard to put your finger. That's on. hard to put my finger on. I'm going to say that our employees see about. I'm going to say anywhere from 30 to 50 people a day. And that's either taking payment, getting information on the program, or actually being in the program. Right. Yes. Coming in and saying, I've got these tickets. I thought I had dealt with them. I didn't. Yes. Help me. Yes. And Mm -hmm. and we explained to them that process. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, So uh, uh, the clerk's race has been kind of overshadowed by the mayor's race and the council race. Yes, yes, yes. But you've been out at the forums. I've I've seen you at at, at many forums. Um, How do you kind of deal with that to to let people know, hey, this is important too? Um, Basically getting my name out there, getting my face out there, and then letting people know the importance of what the clerk's office does and the role that the clerk's office plays with the city of Memphis and the citizens of Memphis. If we were not there to offer programs, then I think that the numbers of people with suspended driver's license would increase because they would have no outlet. And it's a state law. It's a state law, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just to be visible and explain, this is what the clerk's office does. Because someone, as I said um, earlier, Someone else was asking, I was like, what does the clerk's office do? It's like, we've had people to call and say, you know, I'm trying to get my marriage license. Or I'm trying to get a death certificate. or I'm trying to get a tour of the city. I'm like, mm, maybe in some of your smaller municipalities, that might be what the clerk's office does. Mm-hmm. It's like, but we deal basically with traffic violations and ways as it relates to the state and the processing of driver's license and keeping them or removing them from the Suspended status. Right. Yes. Right. So so does the office currently have, have a presence in Nashville while the legislature is in session or or is that something that that, that would be needed? something I I have not in the last I would say the last two years of Mr. Long's term and this entire term we have not had any communication with any state representatives. Right. Because you're part of city government, yes, and city government has its own. We have our own. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Has its own lobbying presence in Nashville. All right. Um, final point then uh, uh, about this race, uh, just the mechanics of it. So many candidates in it, uh, but there's no runoff provision. So, um, how, what do you think this is going to come down to? I would hope that it comes down to experience but as i said in an interview with uh, someone a while back 
popularity contest. And name recognition has a lot to do with how citizens of Memphis select who it is that they want to represent them. All right. Delicia DeGraffrey is a candidate for city court clerk on the October 3rd ballot. Early voting is underway through September 28th. Yes. Thank you. Behind the headlines on WKNO Channel 10 this week is a debate on the half percent city sales tax hike ballot question featuring City Council Chairman Kemp Conrad and Memphis Firefighters Association President Thomas Malone. The show can also be heard on the Behind the Headlines podcast. Now, what you're going to hear is very little agreement, even on the basic dollar figures involved. Probably the closest point of agreement was that the half percent hike will raise either $53 million or $57 million. You will also see a lot of attempts to link this to larger issues present in our politics, from the economic development boom to just what the basics are that we aspire to be brilliant at. The debate on behind the headlines, a direct result of dueling op-eds in the Daily Memphian by both sides of the issue. Subscribe to the Daily Memphian at dailymemphian.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at bdreesdm and at Daily Memphian. I'm Bill Drees. The Daily Memphian Politics Podcast is produced by Natalie Van Gundy and comes to you on the OAM Network. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, the Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.